0: That's ChumbaCasino.com.
2: No purchase necessary. BTW, Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the first On the Contrary of the Season. I'm Dave Lockran, Taking over for Chris Spags, who did a fantastic job last year. But you know what? things happen people move on and people move in so I'm here with you Saturday going to be every Saturday through the 17 weeks of the season and into the postseason as well and your regular Alex Baker awesome himself you might know him as the number one ranked DFS player in the world but we got an exciting show today because uh well he's got some competition got Steve Buzzard (laughs) with us you might know him as the Colts did I pronounce that right Steve is that how is that how it is the Colts
2: I don't what? know if there's a real, uh, a real way to pronounce it, but that sounds good enough to me.
0: You never, you never know, right? There could have been some crazy pronunciation, and I've gotten it wrong. But nevertheless, Steve's the 2018 World Fantasy Football Champion, the Millie Maker winner, a single Millie Maker winner, not every one of them, obviously. <laughs> Multiple six-figure wins and live final appearances. You can check that out. It's his bio. Follow him on Twitter at Steve Buzzard. Follow Alex at DFS and myself at LaFee underscore D. L-O-U-G-H-Y underscore D. Steve, I'm happy to have you with us to do the first show of the season, the inaugural on the contrary. We're less than one week away to the start of the year. With all of this stuff that's happened in 2020, we're getting football. It's almost here, and I think we should all be pretty stoked about it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, I am super pumped up. One one week from now, we'll have already had the uh, opening night game, right? So. Um we can't can't wait too much longer for that. Um, the showdowns have been a lot of fun. So if you guys haven't done the showdowns yet, make sure you're ke- catching that here on uh, uh, Thursday and all throughout the season as well. And right now, though, everyone's in uh, full season draft mode too, right? So uh, super happy and excited to talk about uh, some of that too.
0: Yeah, and Alex, Steve just mentioned, you have a, a monster showdown slate, MillieMaker showdown on Thursday. This should come as no surprise. DraftKings was going to do this from the beginning. We knew that. But you've got one single game, MillieMaker, 150 entry max. Uh, is this something you think an edge can be found with? And, and by the way, for anyone just joining, welcome. We're happy to have you with us. Hammer that thumbs up button as you walk in the door. And if you haven't subscribed and hit that notification bell yet, it'll serve you well when you do, because we're going to have a ton of content coming down the pike We've got an MMA show coming up after this, and a whole lot more every single day on the uh, YouTube AwesomeO platform. So, Alex, before we get into some of the biggest question marks of the year, there's a lot of them. Uh, We're gonna talk about some of the the teams people are sleeping on, maybe the most overlooked teams from a fantasy standpoint, from a quarterback, receiver, receiver, tight end, stacking standpoint, uh, and and a whole lot more during the next hour. But I will ask you, because Steve brought it up, with these, these Millie makers, uh, or sorry, with these showdown slates and being that it's a $3 million prize pool, 356,000, uh, entries. is there an approach you take to these showdown slates that you think can give you more of an edge?
1: Yeah. I mean, the, the showdown slates are really interesting because it changes everything when everyone's picking from the same 20 players instead of, you know, 32 different teams. And that, that really creates an interesting strategy, especially in football, where they let you take defense and kicker, as well as the position players. And they don't force any positions on you, so you can kind of pick and choose. That kind of creates all these different correlations you can play around with and a lot of strategy. And of course, with 350,000 people and a limited player pool, like there's going to be a lot of duping. So trying to figure out an angle that no one else is on, that's a lot of the fun, too.
0: All right, Steve, let's dive into it. Start with a team that is amazingly getting a ton of attention over the past month for for myriad reasons, but also a team that most people don't anticipate being very good this year. It's the Washington football team. They have one of the lowest win totals on the season, but the shakeup in the backfield is what has really turned a lot of heads and it, I, I was doing year. drafts in it's May and June, and if you were looking at this backfield, it's entirely different. Darius Geis was actually a solid eighth or ninth-round guy who you thought, hey, if he stays healthy, you can get great production from him because Adrian Peterson is is losing the battle with Father Time after all these years, and they don't really have anybody else. Fast forward a few months later, Darius Geis gets cut from the team, and Adrian Peterson is also released, leaving us with rookie Antonio Gibson, who was used – Almost exclusively as a pass catcher at, at his at the collegiate level, and now it looks like he's going to have an opportunity to play a huge role in the backfield as a rookie.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Antonio Gibson is, you, and, and you've really seen the ADP of him change a lot too, right? So with the with these news, probably uh, back then I wasn't doing too many drafts back when you were when you were talking about that. But when, when was Antonio Gibson going off of the, the board back then?
0: Oh, real late. Probably
2: <laughs> maybe not even a thought.
0: Yeah, probably anywhere between 14th to 16th round. Darius Geis was probably eighth or ninth. And Peterson was going a little bit early. He was going in between them, maybe 13 or so. But that early in the season, there's no real consensus. That's kind right. of all over the place. You right.
2: know. right. So, so that's one interesting, really interesting thing in some of these big um, uh, se- best ball uh, season long leagues is if you draft early, you have an opportunity to get an Antonio Gibson uh, in the 14th round when he's going more, uh, still a little bit all over the place now, but it seems like it's getting, kind of narrowing down to that sixth, uh, seventh round type thing. Um, so so one, one thing I like as a best ball strategy is uh, to draft all throughout the uh, preseason. So. Uh, I didn't do a super great job at that this year, but that's something that uh, I highly recommend for um, a lot of people if you're doing a best ball draft. Um, personally, for me, Antonio Gibson's moved up too far in the in the rankings at this point. Um, he's definitely got a strong hold on, you know, you know, at least it appears so right now, on what the running back opportunities will be in Washington. But uh, the offense is just, so dicey and I, I don't know how much he can really, um, you know, contribute and will they have the right game scripts, uh, throughout the year. On top of that, if, if you are doing some of these season long, uh, best balls, you're, you're playing against people that drafted Gibson way earlier. So one thing that I like to, or they, they were able to draft him way later and get him at a much better price. So you're already in the hole against him. So, uh, I like the idea in situations like that where a player's value has changed a lot uh, just to fade them and hope that he's not that difference maker instead of overpaying and playing against somebody that you're at a disadvantage against.
0: Yeah. And kind of segueing that into a, a DFS take on this, Alex, DraftKings changed it up a little bit this year. Minimum salary at running back is $4,000 where minimum salary for wide receiver is 3000 and, and uh 2,500 for tight end. That was the case Uh, last year but I believe running back was also 3,000 now it's 4,000 kind of interesting and I'm not sure I don't even know if defense special teams has a floor I remember getting below 2,000 last year but here's the thing with Gibson he's priced at the floor he's $4,000 on DraftKings it's as low as you can get at the position I know we don't have ownership yet uh, totally understand that but based on everything Steve just said uh, and and, and talking about maybe just fading him in best ball with his ADP rising, from a DFS angle, he's going to. Be, I, I I cannot think of a way that Antonio Gibson isn't dramatically overowned in a spot like this. And and I'm not. It isn't to say he's not in a good spot. I think he'll be used as an extension of the run game quite heavily, even if they're playing from behind. Chris Thompson was frequently used as a pass catcher, and he's gone. So I expect him to be used a lot. But. If Antonio Gibson ends up being the highest owned player on this slate, and I'd be shocked if he isn't, how do you approach something like that? I know we don't have the numbers uh, quite yet, but it's fun to take a little look at it from a week out.
1: Yeah, I think that uh, the, 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 there are a, b- a bunch of question marks about Antonio Gibson. Like, There's no question that he's probably the most talented back in, in Washington. The other guys are Bryce Love, who he was kind of a higher draft pick, too, but then he had a lot of injuries in his rookie year. Uh, And then we have Peyton Barber. He's our classic guy that gets rushing attempts and doesn't do anything with them. And I'm just a little bit worried that people are putting the cart before the horse on Antonio Gibson, where maybe his usage won't be quite as high as they hope. And you really need it to be high because Washington, as Steve was saying, they're one of the worst offenses in the league. So I, I definitely don't feel like you need to have Antonio Gibson in, in DFS or basketball. Uh, so I'm, I'm might play it a little bit more cautiously uh, than some other guys, but from what I understand, I mean, he's a really talented guy and uh, someone that it's definitely a lot of fun to put in a lineup. I just don't know if it's fun with the ownership you're describing.
0: Oh yeah. No question. And Steve, the, the reds, the football team. Sorry, that's going to be an issue. Bear with me. Uh, it's going to be a problem. I still call the Chargers the San Diego Chargers, so it's just going to happen, and we're all going to have to deal with it. The 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 Washington football team has a, a implied total of eighteen and a half for Week One. Uh, even if we're just taking a, a zooming out, kind of take a thirty thousand foot view on this from a strategic standpoint, uh, while while I have somebody like you and, and Alex who have had an excessive amount of success uh, in the DFS realm, how do you usually approach something like this where let's assume Gibson is going to be wildly popular? I think we all agree he will be at that price. And the Redskins have an 18.5 implied total, one of the lowest on the slate, against an Eagles defense who against the run was spectacular. Pass-catching running backs have had some success. But overall, it's a pretty ugly spot. How would you normally approach something like this using uh, Gibson kind of as a case study or as an example?
2: Yeah. So in general, uh, especially at a cheap running back, that I think that's going to get a lot of uh, workload. I'm going to probably be pretty heavily owned on him, even if he is fairly heavily owned. Yeah. Um, uh, kind of what Jalen Samuels was a good example of that uh, last year as well. I think he was around 60% mm-hmm. owned. I don't know that Antonio Gibson will get uh, nearly that high. I guess we'll have to, uh, see as we take a look at things, but wasn't uh, that the
0: game, by the way, that Samuel had like two rushing yards and and <laughs> twenty points receiving? I think it was.
2: Yes, yes. I I was a bit under the field on on him still in that situation. I was just it, it, a lot of the stuff went right that I uh, that that fade could have helped out on, but just too many catches
1: unfortunately. I I think that game is a really important example because. The reason he got two rushing yards is because everyone was expecting him to be every down back, Jalen Samuels, but then some dude you would never heard of, I think it was like Hareth White, uh, jumped into the starting lineup, and then Jalen Samuels was on the field like half as much as people hoped. and yeah, I definitely see that as a potential uh, for Antonio Gibson this uh, coming week.
0: Was it not Benny Snell? Was it, was it somebody? You Maybe you're right. I guess it was someone we have no idea who it was.
1: Yeah, because Benny Snow we we kind of know like that guy would be on the field. Everyone was expecting Jalen Samuels. The whole depth chart was out, and it was kind of similar to now because Peterson got cut, uh, Darius Geis got cut, and now none of the guys from the roster last year are playing. So it's really uh, you have to dissect like the coach speak to really understand the situation, um, and even that isn't very reliable.
0: We're going to whip around the league here a little bit no real format just hitting on things that we think are important heading into week one um, look we still have some time but it's always good to get your footing uh, a, a week out get some opinions formulate your own opinions and then throughout the week put the research in and, and come up with something you like whether you're crunching uh, or, or fine-tuning your, your model you name it uh, all of that still going to take a little while and, and, and we're here to help facilitate that process Steve, before the show, we all discussed a couple teams we wanted to hit on, and one of them was the Colts from you. Uh, And interestingly enough, I I think this is one we need to spend some time on because they've got Frank Wright, who is a very good coach, somebody who took someone in Jacoby Brissett last year, knew he wasn't particularly good, and found ways to work the offense around them. I'm not saying it was wildly successful, but it could have been a lot worse. T.Y. Hilton missed a lot of games. Brissette didn't throw the deep ball to him, made life a little bit difficult. Now you've got someone like like Philip Rivers, who his deep ball was shot last year, but he never hesitated to throw it. He still threw for 4,600 yards. Keenan Allen still had a big year. Mike Williams had the quietest 1,000-yard season you'll ever see. Uh, Austin Eckler was productive, and Hunter Henry was pacing a tight end six performance in fantasy. So – how do you envision this offense working this year with no Eric Ebron, Jack Doyle maybe working himself into a bigger role, and T.Y. Hilton coming back healthy? Seems like this team's going vastly overlooked pretty much everywhere.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I, I am really excited to see what they're uh, going to do. Uh, Brissett was not really the uh, great, great quarterback that you want leading your team at, at any point uh, last year. and and. Everyone is down on Rivers too, um, and I get it. He's getting older, but like you said, he had—he uh, actually had, you know, forty-six hundred yards, like you're saying. His yards per attempt.
0: Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring.
1: A laundry. Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh?
0: Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com
2: has over a hundred casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Aren't really that much different last year than what they have been in the past as well. Uh, what what everyone really just remembers is the turnovers late in the games uh, that cost them a chance to get into the playoffs, and they because of those turnovers, Rivers was washed. But in reality, I think there's a lot of underlying um, things that signals there that'll that'll help uh, the Colts and Rivers be successful, especially with Reich as well. So um, I do think that uh, T.Y. Hilton should continue to get used quite often, maybe not quite as heavily as uh, Keenan Allen. (laughs) He was uh, peppering Keenan Allen nonstop, but uh, I I would expect T.Y. Hilton to get uh, a uh, lot of usage in this offense again and the offense has really gotten a big upgrade as well right so um you know paris campbell is should be back and healthy uh Colts spent a second round pick on him uh two years ago now and michael Pittman as well um could could see a lot of um, um upside with a high draft pick on him also so you know i think that um both of those guys um, you know are hardly being drafted at all or, or super late uh, regular season leagues no one's really paying attention to them best balls they're going at the end um, and especially Pittman who's a bit uh, bigger with a smallish Hilton and a, a fairly small Campbell I think he could see a lot of uh, red zone targets so I like getting uh, both of those guys um, we don't really know um, if both of them will do well. Um, there, that's a lot, of, a lot of people with Jack Doyle coming back. Uh, but if you're drafting one or the other and they don't work out in your draft, you can always get rid of them uh, for someone else on the waivers as well. So I think that it's a really uh, fun team to draft and one that no one's really paying attention to right now.
0: I'm wondering, Alex, if they're going to pay attention to them in week one, too, going up against the Jaguars. Uh, I know your, your rankings, you were very high on T.Y. Hilton this year. He's been he's gone overlooked a lot this season. I've heard I've even heard people call him injury prone, which is egregious. He he played ninety four of ninety six possible games going into two thousand nineteen. Like the guy is not injury prone. He had some he he dealt with an injury that happens, but he had a twenty three percent target share last year. It was his highest since two thousand sixteen. There's really little reason to believe that that he doesn't bounce back unless he gets hurt again, which is something you can't really predict. Uh, where are you going with, with the uh, Colts, knowing that you are pretty high on Hilton this season?
1: Yeah, I think that the Colts are definitely a passing offense I'm really excited about because with Andrew Luck on the team in 2018, the Colts threw more than 60% of the time. Then with Brissette, they dialed that back way down and became a rush first team where they ran the ball about 45 to 50%. But now they got a quarterback that can throw again, so I'm thinking it will go back up. In addition, Phillip Rivers, as Steve was saying, his yards per attempt weren't bad in L.A. There were those games where he was on the big stage and didn't come up with the fourth quarter wins. Uh, All in all, pretty disappointing year for Rivers, but on a per-play basis, he was solid. So I think that T.Y. Hilton is definitely going to be one of my favorite fantasy picks this year. Lafayette, I know you're kind of busting my balls uh, when I released my initial rankings to you guys because I had T.Y. Hilton like way well, higher. Well, I think he was
0: like 19 Yeah, <laughs> he was like one of the <laughs> highest
1: wide receivers. And if you go back a couple of years, I mean, this is a guy that would get close to 100 yards a game. So
0: I like him. It's ceiling. Yeah. Here's what I think. Uh Alex, I think this is going to be a team that has some really ugly games this year. And not to paint it with too broad a brush, but I also think it's going to be one of those teams that that has some some monster games this year because this is what Phillip Rivers has always done. And he gets everybody involved. So I don't know what we're going to get out of Pittman. Uh, I, I don't know what we're going to see out of Paris Campbell in year two. Largely disappointing rookie season. But again, they really didn't focus the, the passing game much because they couldn't. Where do you stand on the backfield, though, with Marlon Mack coming off an 1,100-yard season in only 14 games, and then the Colts coming in and kind of surprisingly drafting Jonathan Taylor early in the second round? Jonathan Taylor's being drafted miles <laughs> ahead of, of, of Marlon Mack this season. And even you know on, D- uh, on DraftKings, you look, Marlon Mack's 5,300. Jonathan Taylor's 5,700. So they're very closely priced. But their ADPs are, are, are uh, there's a huge disparity Uh, and attention they're getting in in season-long leagues.
1: Yeah, I mean, Jonathan Taylor is a really interesting fantasy football asset because the role is so open to to improvement throughout the year because Marlon Mack is kind of the go-to, like, runner. Naheem Hines is their third down back. And Jonathan Taylor could kind of steal the duties from both of them. And... As far as week one, I probably won't have them because I think they named Marlon Mack, maybe the starter. I might be wrong about that. But um, I'm expecting all three of them to have roles during the first few games. Jonathan Taylor is probably the most talented, and he could earn a bigger role throughout the season. But I'm not banking on that at his ADP just because it is so high. But Steve, you're the, the Colts... Uh, Colts guy man so what's your take on this running back situation
2: yeah I mean I I I have a hard time uh drafting Mac in a season long or a uh, best ball league because uh you're you're paying a pretty good price for him and the the most important time of the year is is the playoffs especially in a in a home league because you should always uh, w- when you're in a home league, your expectations should always be that you're, uh, going to make the playoffs. You're, you're gonna, uh, your projections are going to be good enough and, uh, you can, you can use some of the, um, your activity on the waivers if, if not. So by the end of the year, Taylor is likely going to have surpassed Mac and, uh, Mac will not, uh, be doing it as well for you. So, so I have a hard time drafting Mac in a season long league um i'll let someone else take him there uh kind of similar for heinz as well um he can get you some weeks that he'll he'll be all right but uh not super exciting and then uh taylor uh i get i get uh the point his adp is very high uh so a lot of his upside is already kind of built into the adp um if i was going to choose any of them i'm going to take taylor but uh probably not going to take any of them too much
0: steve i, I- I'm fascinated by one team this season. Well, many teams, but there's one team that stands out to me that they've been hyped up for the past several years. I've largely stayed away from that. I get a ton wrong. Don't get me, don't get me wrong. But this is one where I've been mostly right, and that's the Cleveland Browns. But when everyone's jumping off, I I think I'm I'm ready to jump on the post-hype bandwagon. Well, you know what, I'm driving that bandwagon, (laughs) right? The Cleveland Browns are such a strange team last year odell beckham was targeted top 10 in the league he 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 saw more deep ball attempts 20 plus yards downfield than everyone uh not named kenny galladay like he got a ton of opportunity just couldn't connect uh matter of fact only eight of only 10 of his 35 deep attempts from baker mayfield were catchable jarvis landry nick chubb kareem hunt austin hooper Hell, David Njoku, if you want to throw him into the mix. And the defense that they've been building up through multiple first overall picks, second overall picks, several top 20 picks every year. I look at them with Kevin Stefanski taking over uh, at at head coach, at the helm for this Cleveland Browns team. I look at an offensive line that they've looked to solidify a little bit, drafted a, a lineman in the first round. Baker Mayfield probably isn't as bad as he was last year with 20 interceptions. I am buying into it because I think it it would be shocking to see a team with this much talent struggle as much as they did last year. Maybe I'm wrong, but I do think there's going to be a lot of opportunity here that's going mostly overlooked, Uh, and and it starts with fourth-round ADP and guys like Beckham. Baker Mayfield's going drafted well outside of the top 12 at his position. Where are you falling in on the Cleveland Browns, knowing what we've seen and knowing what we're – projecting for them this year with a pretty stacked offense and pretty decent defense?
2: Yeah, I, I like the chances for the uh, Browns as well. Um, I think there's a couple of uh, interesting things going on there. I'll, I'll start with the backfield if we uh, can. I, I do have a couple of comments on, on the passing game too, but uh, the the backfield is one of the most interesting ones uh, to me. So last year, uh, Chubb was outstanding. Even He was even outstanding when Hunt came. Everyone thought, oh, Hunt was going to come and uh, Chubb was going to fall off of the, uh, be worth nothing. But he continued. that they, they had a role for both of them, and they both did uh, did their job. And you've seen that in the ADP so far this year with Chubb uh, being quite a bit higher and Hunt kind of uh, below them. But I think one really interesting strategy that I like to take, and again, I'm always looking for. Um, playoffs is, is the game theory that I like to play and who is going to help you the most in, in the playoffs. And so so what I think of is Chubb is the back that's going to get you a lot of uh, uh, opportunities at the end of the year. Um, he's going to have the most touches. He's going to have the most touches that are an injury risk. The biggest way for one of those two players to really break open a league and win you a a championship is for one or the other to go down. And they will be that guy like Chubb was at the beginning of uh, last year, like Hunt was back when he was uh, alone back in uh, Kansas City. And Chubb is the one that's more likely to get hurt in that type of a situation. So um, at his ADP, I think Hunt is a great value for both best ball for season long and I'm really, that, that's, a, that's one that I'm really honing in on. Um, from a passing game standpoint, um, I, I absolutely agree. I think um, some of those deep passes that Beckham and uh, Mayfield didn't hook up on, uh, they're going to more this year. It takes time for someone like uh, Beckham to get acclimated to his new team, even if he is as good as uh, Beckham. Team wide receivers that change teams just take, take time and, he, and Beckham was no exception. Uh, Mayfield has another year of getting better under his belt and I think that those two will really uh, hook up for a good year. That's probably going to take a little bit of a hit on uh, Landry as would uh, uh, Austin Hooper being added to the mix. So I think that there's a little bit of a risk on Jarvis Landry's um, upside. He's just, but he's just such a highly targeted guy that you're going to uh, continue to see uh, targets for him. And uh, he may have one of the smaller uh, standard deviations every week because he he doesn't break open big plays uh, the way some of these other players do, but he's always got a good floor for you.
0: Do you have a dissenting point of view on this, Alex, looking at Cleveland Browns 2020 prospects?
1: I I guess I have to because that's the name of the game here. (laughs) So uh, I I agree with Steve about Kareem Hunt um, that he's just got – Really high upside because he's being drafted in the fifth round on average, and if I mean he's the ultimate handcuff because if Chubb gets injured, you get a workhorse role which only maybe three or four other guys can can get, and that would that would be a league winner probably, and even if he doesn't get hurt, he's still in play to have big weeks every week because he's on the field a lot um, regardless. So, I think Chubb's a really good play. Or, sorry, Hunt's a really good play. Chubb's someone I'm avoiding because he's getting drafted as if he's the workhorse and it is a little bit more crowded this year. I'm just not high on Odell Beckham Jr. I think that um, when you look at players, like the previous year's performance is usually the best predictor of the future years. And he just didn't really separate himself from Jarvis Landry Jarvis Landry may be a little bit underrated too so the way I'm approaching these guys in season long is I, I, I think a lot of the value from Beckham and Landry comes if the other one gets injured because when you have a couple talented receivers that does uh, spread the targets around a little bit more and makes the fantasy upside a little bit lower
0: oh man I like Beckham Man, I, I like him. I, he, he's dealt with some injuries. There's no question about that. But every year this guy has played a full season outside of last year, which I just think is going to be. I, I think it's an outlier. Uh, if if I'm if I'm right about that, it's going to be great, Alex. If not, well, I'm probably going to take some hits because I, I have been drafting quite a bit of Beckham this year. Uh, I just think if a thousand yards and four touchdowns is your floor, uh, and, and Being ignored here is 133 targets, which is still quite a bit in that offense. Uh, I'm willing to roll the dice on him having a bounce back season because I think Stefanski and the offensive line are going to help Baker Mayfield. Although, to be fair, even with clean pockets last year and no pressure, Baker Mayfield struggled. Let's turn the page to, um, to another team here. Alex, I'll stick with you. We're talking about the Cincinnati Bengals. Joe Burrow coming in first overall draft pick. He's the obvious starter. Andy Dalton is no more backing up Dak Prescott uh, in, in Dallas now. The Bengals have a lot. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book
1: club. Computer solitaire, huh?
0: Oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance
2: to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No were overbladed by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: Out of talent. I-, I don't think there's any disputing that. AJ Green when he's healthy is clearly an elite receiver. Uh Tyler Boyd is another uh fantastic pass catcher and Joe Mixon is somebody that people are very, very high on. I know you have a slightly different opinion on him this year, <laughs> at least compared to his ADP. All in all, though, there is a lot of talent here. Uh, much of that will be contingent upon whether or not Joe Burrow in his rookie season can make it work. And even another thing, too, I'll just kind of throw a couple things at you and let you run with it. Another thing might be that the defense continues to struggle. They're often playing from behind. And even if Joe Burrow isn't accurate or particularly effective, He's still going to put up big numbers from volume alone. Where are you at on the Bengals this year from a DFS and a, and a season-long standpoint?
1: I think the hype is way overblown because last year, well, first of all, I lost so much money on the Bengals last year in DFS <laughs> because they threw at the highest rate in the league, and you'd think that would create a lot of variance and that um, like some of those times the passes would work. And you know you get a big fancy performance. It never happened, so that that was kind of disappointing. But the big change this year is with Joe Burrow. I just think that he runs the ball more than Andy Dalton did, and I think that is going to uh, it's going to change the offense a lot into uh, having a lot more running attempts than they did last year.
0: Does that mean you'll? Li- Does that mean you like him though?
1: I, I think he's probably fine. Yeah, but like. He's being drafted around the same as, like, Baker Mayfield, Aaron Rodgers, like, Drew Brees, maybe a little bit lower than a couple of those guys, but people are drafting him like he's, like, a middle-of-the-pack quarterback, and I just think the Bengals' offense last year, to to use your term, was dog dog shit. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. not horse shit just, not horse shit dog shit yeah, um, so I, I think that it's going to take time for that to to work even with a talented quarterback like Bro. and I mean how many times have we seen a hyped up number one draft pick that comes to the NFL and just is kind of underwhelming so I, I just don't think the team will be good enough to, to really be a huge fantasy factor this year
0: Steve, in PPR formats, feel free to put any spin on this you'd like. If you want to talk DFS season long, it doesn't matter. But Joe Mixon's ADP talking season long here is something that's kind of been in flux over the past few months. I saw him jump as high as seventh. Uh, now I'm looking at it at PPR, uh, 11th. Seen him out even in drafts I've done, I've actually seen him slip outside of the first a couple of times, which is crazy. It's, it's very seldom you'll see that. Everyone's going running back heavy early on because it's such a deep receiver pool from top to bottom. But do you feel confident getting Joe Mixon in that like mid to late first round?
2: So, so first of all, she must have uh, missed out on it. He must have gave up on Al, uh, Andy Dalton too early. <laughs> Week 15, he was uh, him and uh, Fitzpatrick in the shootout of the year where uh, they won everyone all the tournaments. That's right, not me. <laughs> <laughs> so so uh that, that that was uh maybe that's how how the uh, Bengals will go this year carry that forward. Um for for Mixon uh I'm probably not on him as much um, at his his point at his price point. I mean for for years it's been um everyone loves to hype up Mixon as uh this this guy that's going to uh have this huge upside, but every year he kind of is a okay guy that isn't really uh, a league winner or a weak winner uh, for you on DFS. So maybe Burroughs opens that up for him a little bit more, um, especially, you know, the fact that Burroughs is gonna run, Bur- uh, gonna run a little bit more than what Dalton does, that tends to uh, help a running back like Mixon. Uh, but I haven't really seen him be able to open it up enough that he's will- that I'm willing to just say Hey, I'm going to spend my first-round pick on a guy that uh, you know has a pretty good floor, but not really a ceiling to be able to help me compete with the guys like Barkley or um, Zeke or somebody like that. That that the guys that are picking first have. So if I, if I'm uh, going for someone late in the first round, I'm I'm tending to pick either a higher upside wide receiver or. Uh, someone that you know might have a little bit more upside uh, in the in the uh, running game like uh, uh, Edward Tilaire or uh, somebody like that possibly maybe uh, Dalvin Cook um, as well so that that might have a little bit more upside and especially in the pa- in the uh, passing game
0: the last four games for Mixon last year is what I think vaulted him into that uh, conversation of being a middle first round late first round guy I think he still probably would have been a late first round there but he did have those three huge game average, 5.4, 6.3, 6.2 yards per attempt in three of his last four. Struggled against Miami, but his touch counts were through the roof, 20-plus carries in four straight. But I remember Zach Taylor running him out there for 25 attempts, uh, even even though, um, e- even though they were down by 20. They kind of raised the white flag and just started giving Mixon a ton of attempts. I think he's going to be fine, but I do expect them to play uh, with – from behind quite a bit, and how often will he be used in the passing game is also something that kind of concerns me, which is a bit of a perfect segue into this next team, Steve, the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, Miles Sanders is actually someone, and, and I've, been, I've been very open about this and pretty loud, as a matter of fact, that I'm drafting Miles Sanders ahead of Joe Mixon. And I know that, that you want to talk about contrary or <laughs> contrarian type plays this is one where I'm willing to take a stand and, and it's this simple for me. I'll pass it off to you here. He, he was, a, he, he racked up over 1300 yards. Well, actually, sorry. He racked up 1400 yards uh, from scrimmage in his first, in his rookie season, he had eight receptions of 20 plus yards, which was third behind only Eckler and James white, two guys that are featured heavily in the passing game. He's a legitimate guy that can run routes, like line him up as a receiver, line him up anywhere. Uh and, the the argument that, that my problem with the argument that Doug Peterson doesn't run rook uh, doesn't run a single running back a lot he doesn't use a bell cow give me one example of when he's had that opportunity he came here first it was Ryan Matthews then with Garrett Blunt t- clearly in the twilight of his career Darren Sprawls, Boston Scott Wendell Smallwood Jay Ajayi with the bad knees I could go on forever uh, and then the Notre Dame guy I always forget his name who fumbled in a big spot against Houston. Miles Sanders is the type of guy that they drafted for the purpose of using as a bell cow back. Now, we can disagree on that. It's fine. But what I do know is when you take a guy in the second round uh, and when Jordan Howard goes down over the final third of the season last year and Miles Sanders averages 21 looks per game, I just think the upside on a markedly better offense in the Eagles for Miles Sanders is super appealing to me. What do you what do you think of the backfield with Philadelphia this year?
2: Yeah, I'm I'm uh, completely on board with you right there. I, I would also take uh, Miles Sanders over Mixon. Um, he's actually ranked a couple spots higher uh, for me if I'm looking here at my uh, my rankings. So yeah, absolutely, I'm on the uh, Miles Sanders train. Um, I, I think he everything that you said, I, I pretty much agree with. So you, you're, you're kind of you're uh, it's hard it's hard for me to argue too much. Uh, Sorry, I'm passionate that, about so. this
0: one. I just run with it
2: sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's perfect. Um, so you so you make a great argument, and I, and I'm all on board with that. Um, one thing that I think is, is interesting as is, is you talk about the various. Um, uh, bell cow backs and what what will and won't work. I think Miles Sanders fit, fits that very well. I think also what we saw in, when Miles Sanders did miss sometime last year is we saw Boston Scott perform pretty well also. So uh, Boston Scott's a really good handcuff for uh, Miles That's Sanders true. in a uh, um, season-long league. You can get him right at the end. And also even in a um, uh, best ball league as well. I think Boston Scott is a guy that, you know, if Miles Sanders ends up getting injured, he could be on the winning uh, lineup at the end of the year because he's, he's getting worked heavily. I mean, he had some uh, games last year. He had 19 carries, like, for instance, in the final game of the uh, year. He had uh, 10 plus another six targets um, in week 13. Uh, so he certainly has plenty of potential to not quite be what Miles Sanders is, which is a, you know this first late first round, early second round type guy. Uh, but he would be a very good, uh, good
0: performer. Yeah, that's a good point. And it's nice to know that Peterson was not afraid to use Boston Scott at all in those situations. He single-handedly won that game for them against the New York. Uh, that's not fair. Carson Wentz had a pretty solid late game but Boston Scott with three touchdowns, all rushing in that game. There's definitely upside there. Uh, I like him. I like the backfield because they're gonna get worked in as, as pass catchers too. They really do incorporate a lot of pass catching, running back stuff uh, that is gonna work well for them and not just dump offs. Uh, Alex, what are your thoughts on the Eagles offense this season? Alshon Jeffrey, apparently the Eagles are trying to trade him, but he's on the pup list. It, it seems like he'll be out at least six weeks. Uh, if, if he remains on the, the physically unable to perform list, Deshaun Jackson's healthy. The only game he really played last year, he had 250 plus yard touchdowns to start the season against this same Washington team. And then you have Ertz, you have Dallas Goddard, uh, but Jalen Rager is out for a couple of weeks. He should be fine soon enough. Uh, Marcus Goodwin opted out. It's a kind of strange dynamic, but they were built on speed. This team, there's no question about it in the backfield included.
1: Yeah, I like the Boston Scott call by, by you guys. Um, one guy I've been drafting a little bit is Alshon Jeffrey uh, because his, he's so low this year. Like You can get him in one of the last rounds. At... I
0: have. I've drafted him in the 16th, 17th <laughs> round and redrafted Okay, I'm that sure. makes me
1: feel a little bit better because I feel like they, they don't have any good wide receivers. I mean, Deshaun Jackson, as you were saying, he played one game last year. He's also never a guy that, that can stay on the field the whole game. So I'm kind of looking at Jalen Rieger as an intriguing option as well. But it really, I mean, these, this team, they run Ertz and Goddard a lot together, uh, maybe out of necessity. That makes Goddard one of my best ball plays because it's a situation where Ertz, if, he, if he's out of the lineup, that just creates a lot more opportunities for Goddard. Um, maybe not like being on the field a ton more, but just having that all those plays go to him instead of Ertz. So that's definitely one way I'm leaning um, in, in best ball. But, man, week one's going to be crazy because Jalen Rieger and Alshon Jeffrey, both are probably out. So who's even going to be starting at wide receiver? I have no clue.
0: Me neither. Don't and beat my status just mentioned. And I did mention this briefly once we started talking about uh, the, the passing game. that The Eagles are looking to trade Alshon. Maybe I mumbled it. I don't know. I definitely didn't state it as clear as possible but yeah they are uh they they are definitely in i don't know if they're in negotiations or trade talks but they have thrown it out there that they're they're looking to make uh some moves which could suggest that they feel really good about maybe one or two of these rookie uh, wide receivers that they have i I, we won't spend a lot of time on them or, or really any at all but i will throw names out there for those of you guys doing rookie drafts dynasty startups uh like Quez Watkins is, is one of them. They said a lot of good things. John Hightower. Granted, you're going to hear this high praise for so many rookies, and it never materializes into anything. But if you're looking to get rid of Jeffrey, knowing that Jackson is already aging, there's got – and maybe it's Greg Ward, but, and, and Artega Whiteside apparently looks better. But there's got to be someone on this team that they feel good about in order to just completely uh, part ways with with a, with a veteran and Alshon Jeffrey. So uh, keep that in mind. Feel free to take some stabs on them. And even in best ball with 25 25 rounds, uh, don't be afraid to, to take a couple of dart throws uh, maybe on one or, or of these rookie receivers for or second-year receivers for the Eagles. We've got about 15 minutes to go, Steve, so we can't get to everything. But I know there were a few teams that both of you guys uh, were looking to talk about. So um, let me ask you this. H- what, what team do you think what would be the most beneficial that would, that we hit on right now, Steve, uh, with maybe question marks or they're, they're, they're not being noticed as much as they should, or there's some hidden gems in there.
2: Um, let's see. I think, uh, I think the Las Vegas, uh, is pretty interesting one. Um, I, I think one thing that I find interesting about, um, Las Vegas is four year playoffs for, Uh, If you're playing in the best ball leagues, uh, the playoffs are weeks 14 through 16, and that's typically the same uh, that you see in most uh, season long leagues as well. And the Vegas uh, has all of their games at home uh, during that run. So I think that's a really uh, interesting thing that might uh, be a big bump up for uh, Jacobs so if if uh, they get a benefit, a lot of times you see uh, running backs get benefit at home uh, during the playoffs. So uh, something that I think is going underlooked for uh, Josh Jacobs and uh, and the Raiders potentially. Um, also, I think uh, there's a lot of opportunity in the uh, passing game with uh, Tyrell Williams going on to the uh, IR as well. So you have. Uh, first rounder Henry Ruggs and third rounder uh, Brian Edwards both in there that uh, uh, have some opportunities as well as uh, Hunter Renfro coming off of a pretty solid year also so you have three guys that all have uh, pretty good upside I mean you don't get uh, talented guys like a first rounder and a third rounder um, and, a, and a guy coming off of this first year that was uh over-performance, I would say by most people's uh, Sense and Renfro all going late in your drafts. Um, and, and the thing is with all those guys is if they don't succeed, they cost you so little uh, that you can just dump them and get a guy off the waiver. And if you hit the guy that really succeeds, um, you're, you're going to have yourself a guy that could be a potential uh, wide receiver, two or three. So I think there's a lot of uncertainty. That's a huge thing in best ball and definitely should take advantage of it. And even for uh, your season long leagues as well.
0: That's a great point that Steve brings up, Alex. To, to put it simply, uncertainty breeds opportunity in, in best ball for sure because with the Raiders, who, who knows who it's going to be? Terrell Williams is done for the year. You've got Renfro. Uh, you have a number of, of young rookie receivers that, that might be able to, 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 to put in some work. Henry Ruggs was the first receiver off the board this year uh, in the draft. There's a lot of question marks. There's no doubt about that. What about some other teams that you think? Because Steve just talked about the the Raiders. What about a team like the Jets, where <laughs> you have some guys, some some veteran pass catchers, Jamison Crowder still there. But then you bring in Brashad Perriman, who late in the season with the, the Bucks last season with Godwin and Evans out, uh, really turned it on, had three straight hundred yard performances. Five receiving touchdowns over his final four games. Really, really strong end to the season. Matter of fact, he had 70 plus yards in five straight games to close it out. Uh, you've got him on the Jets. You've got Crowder. You've got Denzel Mims, who might uh, might make an appearance. He said he'll be ready for Week One. What are your thoughts on on a, this Jets offense? They're not getting a lot of attention, and I, I guess that's fair. But we really need to look at all of these teams because sometimes you find a diamond in the rough on a team that doesn't really have a lot of certainty going into the season.
1: Yeah, I think the Jets are one of my favorite targets in season long because everyone is so cheap and the the bottom line is someone is going to put up some fantasy numbers on the Jets. And in the backfield, you got Bella Gore and Lamical Pirine. Um no one's kind of thinking Frank Gore is going to be a fantasy monster. And uh, everyone's down on Le'Veon Bell, but I just feel like there's enough work for someone to come out of the, the woodwork here. So it's I think Bell is someone that the hype might be a little bit too low on. So I'm, I'm kind of excited about him because he's a guy that he catches a lot of passes. Uh, the, the The rushing... For the Jets last year, it was horrible. but uh Incredible. Yeah, they they got less than four yards per time. It wasn't even close. But they got a new offensive lineman, from what I understand. So I'm taking some chances on them. And then uh, Perryman, Crowder, Mims, and Herndon. It's kind of the same thing Steve was saying with the, the Raiders, where they're, none of them are being drafted very high. So I'm, I'm taking shots on them because someone's going to put up yards in is someone that's kind of interesting because he had a really good rookie year. Then he was out a whole year. Um, now he's coming back. He's fully healthy. They've named him the, the number one tight end. So I'm kind of intrigued by his potential this
0: year. There's a lot of uncertainty with the jets, but again, it could be a good thing. I'm a little bit lower on Lev Bell uh, than, than a lot of people. And, and it's not because I don't think he can have a solid season. It's because I'm actually higher on someone that's being drafted right around him in David Johnson, and uh, Steve. Before we close this up, we got about eight or nine minutes to go. I want to spend some time on the Houston, uh, the Houston Texans, who just, by the way, gave Deshaun Watson a monster 160 million dollar four year extension today. So congratulations to him. Uh, I'm all over Houston this year. I've tweeted about this on numerous occasions that I, I believe. One of Brandon Cooks or Will Fuller, assuming they stay healthy, will be in winning line, will win your leagues this year. Now, the reason for this is kind of simple. DeAndre Hopkins is gone. Talking about somebody that's a top, top top-tier receiver every single season, 150-plus target guy almost every single year. You're taking away a huge chunk of targets from this team. Look, he had 150 targets in – Five straight campaigns with Houston. Will Fuller, when healthy, is very productive. Brandon Cooks was was another guy. Multiple straight 1,000-yard campaigns. He's dealt with the concussions, but a matter of fact, he's only missed two regular season games since 2015. Had four straight 1,000-yard seasons, 114 targets or more in all of them. I I just think these guys are very talented, and we're ignoring the fact that Deshaun Watson's being drafted as a top-five quarterback. I know he has rushing upside and that plays into it, but he's still a good player. He can still connect on the deep ball. He's still going to operate a solid functioning offense and will Fuller and Brandon Cooks are being largely overlooked going in the seventh eighth round. I've seen him go in the ninth round at times and David Johnson is also being drafted after guys like Le'Veon Bell after a really disappointing season last year. So I just think it's still a big question mark as to where the production goes on this team but there's so much opportunity in not knowing that because there's a lot of real raw, ta- not raw talent, but a lot of talent on this team that uh, could really work well and, and and have some good synergy with with uh, Deshaun Watson.
2: Yeah, so I'll, I'll let uh, Alex talk about David Johnson because I know he's a, he's the uh, David Johnson guy this year. So I'll I'll, uh, um, I'll talk a little bit about the passing game though. Um, absolutely. So so really two and a half new players for. Uh, the the Texans offense. I say a half because Will Fuller always seems to um, miss time. So you got yeah. uh, Cob, Cobb Cooks and, and Will Fuller. Um, but what we've seen when Will Fuller plays, Hopkins is just a completely different player. So it, it was um, DeAndre Hopkins that uh, commanded 40% of the targets all, all of last year, but it was Will Fuller that really uh, changed the game for, for Watson. So if Will Fuller can stay healthy all this year um, he definitely could have that upside to to be a, a winner for your league no doubt about it um, I have no no problem at all uh, overpaying for him and if you're getting him any his ADP then uh, he's definitely a great great buy in both season long and uh, uh, best ball type leagues um, if Fuller doesn't stay healthy then you've really got Cooks that you know could be huge. He, huge. yes, he would be absolutely in a huge spot. I, I don't, I didn't see Cobb really performing. You know, basically Cobb last year ended up being like a, a, a name in, in a lot of ways, right? So he he was kind of an afterthought in Dallas, and he didn't really uh, perform as well as maybe what you were hoping for there. So there is there is a chance still that he, he does better here in uh, this offense with Watson, but. If, if Cobb is only okay and Fuller gets hurt again, all of a sudden you've got cooks that, uh, right there, he could, he could be the guy that, uh, uh is, a, is a, another type of guy. That's a difference maker for you and really, uh, when, when the league for you, I, I do worry a little bit that, uh, cooks is, you know, changing teams again, um, that anytime wide receivers change teams, it does take a little bit of time to, uh, uh, get used to that new team. But the fact that they also have Cobb also changing teams and Fuller not having a 100% uh, rapport, I think that'll hopefully ease the uh, team change risk a little bit uh, uh, for Cooks. So I, I like that uh, that taken. I'm gonna take some shots on those guys too.
0: Yeah, th- 86 ADP for Cooks this year. It's just, it's lunacy. Uh, especially if you're someone that believes Will Fuller is going to get hurt. You have to get Cooks everywhere if that's the case. Um, Cooks has played with Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Jared Goff, and now Deshaun Watson. He's been pretty lucky uh, with the quarterbacks he's gotten. Alex, David Johnson, Well, Steve said this is your guy. This is someone Uh that, that we should be listening to you on. 38 ADP right now. He's going after Lev Bell. He's going almost a full round after Todd Gurley. Last year really bumped him down. He was a, 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 a mid-first-round, mid-to-high first-round pick last season. <laughs> Completely disappointed, and maybe he's one of these post hype producers that we talk about so often. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I think he's worth taking a shot on because of his ADP being 50 because that allows you to take a really solid player earlier, and then there's not usually many running backs on the board at that point that are worth their salt. So having a guy like David Johnson helps a lot for your draft strategy. Um, and they traded DeAndre Hopkins for him. I mean, plus a second-round pick. But like that says it all. DeAndre Hopkins was one of the Texans' best offensive players. And it's... I mean, I, I maybe there's other factors involved, but it definitely inspires a ton of confidence that the team has in David Johnson. Um, I know... At the end of last year, he was really injured, and he didn't perform particularly well. But when he was healthy, he, he had really good receiving numbers, more than seventy yards per, per target. Um, and, I mean, he can run, too. The, the other factor is I, I think people always want Duke Johnson to do more than he does. I, I feel like the Texans never give Duke Johnson the, like, the playing time. And I don't see any reason to expect that to change so that by default makes me think David Johnson is going to be on the field most of the
0: time. So excuse me, week one, five days away, eight days away from real week one, where we get into the Sunday football games, huge contest, even though DraftKings has a Millie maker coming up. Uh, uh, this, is, this is a spot where we wanted to break it. We wanted to take a, 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 a zoomed out view here instead of just going strictly week one DFS because we're going to do that all week long. Starting on Tuesday, the NFL Strategy Show is going to go all the way up into the weekend. We'll have NFL Deeper Dive again. Ben Ross, Alex Baker, myself, Steve, hopefully you'll be joining us this season as well. Uh, we'll have On the Contrary uh, every single Saturday and a whole lot more. So this was this was more of just the primer on what we're looking at. We can't hit on everything because the MMA show is coming up next. Show them some love. Get your get those lineups in uh, and check them out. They'll be starting uh, in just a minute. Jason Floyd and Pete Rogers doing a great job there. And also be sure to check out our NFL product. Uh, we've got so much, so much happening right now with NFL, more than we've ever done. Because go it's good through the ninth, right? It's good through Wednesday. We're giving away. An $80 value for $38, and that's not including the $35 in FFPC credits that you get just for signing up with us. Uh, We're giving you 25% off your NFL monthly pass. That's a full calendar month of all of our uh, premium DFS content. Alex's projections and ownership, uh, all of the top tools that we use, that you use, that he uses to become such a good player, if you use the promo code SLEEPER at checkout. But that's not it. You get our entire fantasy football season long best ball redraft package for free. The rankings, it's all data driven. None of this group think nonsense. It's analytics, data driven stuff, using that same model that made him a great DFS player and apply, parlaying that into season long to make some money there. And we already know that DFS right now, or I'm sorry, best ball and DraftKings has huge contests. FanDuel has it. FFPC, you'll get 35 free dollars just by using this. That whole package is free, plus the 35. Lost the 25% off our monthly pass for DFS. All you got to do is use the promo code SLEEPER at checkout. Uh, there's no reason not to jump in on this. And when you do, join us in our premium Slack chat. Say what's up. We'll be happy to show you around. We got a good group there. Uh, and before we go, Alex, I did just want to say uh, a, a good friend of ours, a good friend of Osimo, Uncle DFS. We knew him as Unc. We found out that he passed away the other day. And it's uh, really sad news in the DFS community thoughts go out to his family uh, and all of his friends we're gonna miss him
1: yeah definitely man r.i.p R- R- onk i uh, it's always crazy the i mean we got such a great community with all these great people and you, you never know much about them outside fantasy but we lost a good one so thoughts go out
0: all right well steve uh final thoughts here before we head out and toss this one over to the mma guys
2: yeah, just uh, can't wait for uh, next season, or for, for next week so that the season can uh, get started up and it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, hoping to take down some more uh, showdown slates, some uh, uh, big tournaments and whatnot, and get some uh, MMA lineups in. It's going to be a, a fun slate there as well.
0: Well, it won't be surprising when you do take them down. I think we can <laughs> all agree on that. Same goes to you, Alex. Thanks to uh, everyone hanging out. Before you leave, uh, hit that thumbs up on your way out the door. Greatly appreciated. It. It helps us combat that YouTube, that pesky YouTube algorithm, and allows us to continue doing shows for free here at YouTube.com. Subscribe, hit the notification bell as well. We got so much coming up in the coming weeks, in the coming months. For Steve, Alex, myself. We'll see you back here next time. On the contrary, week one next Saturday, 3:30 Eastern Time. <laughs>